0: to anything that will chain them up, than anything that will kill and steal and destroy them. And that's exactly what's going on here. These creditors, this world is at the door, and literally if you could picture the door right out there, they're knocking at the door right now, and they're wanting to get into our next generation. They want to take them down. That's their goal. The woman had lost her husband and had no way to pay her debt back. And the only thing standing between them and enslavement was the oil. The oil. You know, oil in the Bible will often represent the Holy Spirit and the supernatural intervention of God. It's really kind of cool how that works. And the only thing that can keep us from the next generation being enslaved, it's not The programs we have. It's not all the different things that we do. It's going to be one thing and one thing only first and foremost. Before all those things. And there's nothing wrong with those things. But it's going to be the oil. It's going to be the Holy Spirit. Binding them up. Taking hold of them. Taking hold of us. Using us. Making us. Growing us toward God. In such a way that is second to none. It's so powerful. The oil. But, you know, I want you to notice something else. He says, go in the house. In the house, I believe that God has set right here in this room for some amazing miracles to happen right here with this body. Things that can shake up and wake up the world and do things that have never, ever been done before. But we've we've got to believe that this can happen. We've got to believe that we are the ones that God has called to be this, shaker uppers, waker uppers, all those different things. The prophet says to the woman, what have you got in your house? Now, what's cool about that is we can look at that three ways. What have I got in my house? Me. You. Each of us individually. What has Jack got in his house? What do we have in our house that we're using to build up the kingdom of God? What do we have in our house that we're growing spiritually in? What is in our house individually? that we bring to our house. You see, I've got Laura and Tim and Tristan and Trey. And Tristan is home just for a little bit longer from college. That's my house. What have I got in my house? What's in my house that can bring about miracles, that can do amazing things, that can do things... That have never been done before so that when I walk into this house, you see, what we do is we bring our house into our house into our house. And it's exponentially growing each time we get here. So as I do spiritually, as my family does spiritually, as my family does spiritually. Sometimes we think kind of like when you're voting for the president, well, my vote just doesn't count. Well, we saw that that's not true. Your spirituality counts. I will never, ever stop sharing this or speaking to this. Why? Because Brother John over there could be looking over here at Brother Ken Garcia, Kenny G. (laughs) And Kenny G might be looking a little downtrodden today. And John walks over and says, Ken, I just noticed you from across the room. But had John not been here, had John not been growing his house might not have noticed that. might not have seen that. He might have missed it all together. And instead, Kenny G just goes on his merry way. Not so merry. Not so merry. What have you got in your house? Well, she says, all I have is the pot of oil. Now, I want us to look at this for a minute because a lot of times if we read this story, we might think, well, the oil is the main point. The oil. Why? Because the oil is there, and the oil is not the focus. It's not what really is. You might read this a hundred times and think, wow, how cool is it that she has this oil? The amazing it is that God is going to keep multiplying this oil. He'll increase this oil. The oil will not stop. The oil is available, it'll always be there. The issue in this story is not the oil. The issue is is there a vessel? So the point, the title of this lesson is, will, will You Be the Vessel? Will You Be the Vessel? And that's what we're gonna talk about just for a little bit longer here this morning. The prophet tells the woman, go get something God can pour something into. I want you to notice this here for a second. The woman had to do her part in the miracle, didn't she? God says, I need you, the prophet says to, to the God says to the prophet, I need you to tell her, the prophet tells her, you need to go get something for the miracle. How often do we sit there and wait, God, give me a miracle. I need a miracle. God's saying, I need you to do something. I need you to get up off your tushy and do something. Quit sitting in the pews and do something. That's what he needs. And so that's what the prophet tells this woman. You go do something. I need you to get and get And get some more. And when you think you've gotten enough, go get some more. Why? Because you can have as many vessels as you want. Bring them all to me. She had to do her part. But secondly, secondly, she helped determine the magnitude of the miracle itself. She helped determine the magnitude of the miracle itself. When the prophet told her to go get a bunch of vessels, not just a bunch, But as many as you could fit in your house. The limit in a miracle that God wants us to do is not God. It's not heaven. Heaven's not the issue, just like the oil was not the issue. Heaven has an endless supply of miracles waiting for us to just claim them, to take them, to say, Give me the miracles. Let me get off my behind and do something. I'm ready to go, God. I'm ready to be used as your vessel. I'm the one you called me. Use me. Set me aside. Make me holy. I want to be your vessel and do miracles through me. What kind of miracles? Well, it's not the kind of miracles that maybe are outlandish, but wow. Jason and Misty are studying the Bible. Use me to move their hearts. That's a miracle. That's a miracle. Or a conversation that I had with a brother this week to see how God has used some of the other brothers to get in there in his life. That's a miracle. These kinds of miracles. Yeah, and and then there's the big miracles. But there's miracles all over the place. We just got to find them. We got to claim them. And we got to let God use us. To do these miracles, you got to be willing to be the vessel. Well, then he says something else. He tells her, shut the door. Shut the door. Listen, when God is looking for a vessel that he is going to put his anointing into, his power into, his purpose into, his life into, his desires into, his plan into. He wants there to be a separation that we make, a delineated, wholehearted desiring to separate. He asks us to shut the door. He opens one door for us, and he wants us, as we go through that door, to shut the door behind us. But I dare say now one of the things I see from where I stand, and I don't mean right here, but from where I stand at times as the minister of this church, some of us just don't shut that door. We just keep it maybe a little cracked. Some of us a little bit wider. And what happens is Satan infiltrates and he takes. A screwdriver, and he just wedges it in there. You know, the screwdriver's not that wide. He just turns it a little bit, winds it a little bit more. Then he gets himself a putty knife. And he puts that putty knife in there, and he turns that putty knife. And then he gets something bigger and something bigger until he gets a shovel. Turns the shovel, and it gets bigger and bigger until eventually the door is wide open again. The back door I'm talking about. Not the front door that you went into to get your relationship with God. And God is asking us through the prophet. The prophet is telling the woman, go into the house, shut the door. Shut the door. It's time for us, some of us, maybe all of us, to shut some of those doors that we have back there behind us. Some of those doors that we keep open. You know, if you're single, maybe it's a little boyfriend or girlfriend that nobody knows about. It's a little something, something at work going on. Well, you know, you know if, if you're married, maybe it's something even worse. Right. Or maybe it's not even that far, but maybe at work or maybe somewhere you are just looking that much more. And you're thinking that much more, and you're struggling that much more, married brothers or married sisters. Why? Because some guy said something nice to you, something your husband hasn't said to you in a long time, and that captures your heart. what about uh, jobs that take you away from the body? You know what's sad is some people who need to hear this aren't here today. The job took them away from the body. There's different things. Old sins that rear their ugly head. Porn. Drugs. Smoking. Gambling. All are things that are the back door that we leave open sometimes. We leave it open. Instead of closing it, shutting it tight, putting nails on it, putting boards on it, doing everything we can. What are those boards? The Word is the board. Prayer is the nails. Whatever it takes to shut that door. God is looking for a vessel that he can put his oil into, that he can utilize, that he can do what he wants to do. You know... If I went to a grocery store and I went and bought some steaks, some ribeye steaks. Hey, there you go, man. Yeah, man. Men are like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and got me some, uh, got me some pop tarts. That's gonna make a good meal right there, hey, amen. All right, all right. Green beans. I got some, some ranch beans, and I, and I picked up some. Uh, some uh, milk and I got some orange juice and I got some eggs. And I, I pushed it in my cart, I got it up to the, to the uh, counter. Check out, I checked it out, but there's no bags there. Yeah, there's always one of you in every crowd, isn't there? I knew somebody was gonna say that too. Food for Less or Costco, one or the other. And so I have to pick up all the food and carry it out, and I'm dropping it on the way out. The eggs break, the milk splatters everywhere, and you'd be like, wait a second. Something's not right here. Got to have something to put the product into, don't you? Or what if tonight you went home and you said, I don't want to cook tonight. Let's order a pizza. And the pizza delivery guy gets there and he's got the pizza. He knocks on the door, you open the door, and in his hand is the pizza. No box, just the pizza. Cheese oozing down everywhere. And you're looking at this thinking, there's something not right. Of course, the first question you're going to ask is what? Where's the box? Where's the box? Where's the box? You would expect the pizza to be delivered in a box. Mellow mushroom, baby. You don't get much better pizza than that right there. You would expect the pizza, the product, to be delivered in a vessel. But get this. This box, in and of itself, is maybe worth 50 cents. You see, the box is not the value. The box doesn't have much value at all. Now, there is some value to it. Obviously, because we don't want this guy to walk up to our door with cheese oozing everywhere holding a pizza. So there's some value, but the real value comes when the product is put inside the box, isn't it? The product has to be put in the box. So then, when you put the product in the box, there's value non stop value. The kind of value that you want when you open up this box and you smell the pizza and it's mellow mushroom pizza. And it's got pepperoni on it. And it's got mushrooms on it. And it's got sausage on it. And man, I'm hungry right now. Amen. I need to move on from that one for sure. But understand the box does not give value to the product. The product gives value to the box. It's the value. See, we're just the vessel. That's being filled up by the oil. And God says, look, I love you. You're going to do some great things. But remember where the power comes from. Remember where the value comes from. It's my grace working in you. Doing only what I can do through you. Now you may think, You have the value to do. And I don't want you to walk out here thinking you're less than that. But I do want you walking out here not thinking more highly of yourself than you ought. God puts the value in here. And all he asks, all he asks of us, church, is for this, this box, inside the box, to be clean and empty. Not perfect, but clean and empty. He wants us to clean ourselves of all the junk, all the mess, all the muck. He wants us to continually purge ourselves and get it out of our lives so that we can be clean, so that we can be empty, so that we can say, fill me up, God. Let me be the vessel. I want to do the miracles for you. I want to share my faith for you. I want to be the one who goes out there, outside of the box. And does things that only I could do through you. That's the box. You know, 1 Corinthians 6.19. It says, do you not know that your body is a temple for the oil? For the Holy Spirit. You know, Satan, he hates the oil. He hates the oil. Why? Because the oil done kicked him out of heaven. The oil has done some serious stuff to him. The oil has... Messed him up. And so instead of messing with the oil, what does he do? He messes and tries to jack up the vessel. He's trying to mess with the vessel. He's trying to do everything he can to put as much trash in the vessel, to put as much muck in the vessel as he possibly can, to keep the vessel from being empty and clean so that God can't vi- fill up the vessel the way God wants to fill up the vessel. You know, as I look out on this room, Right here in the people in this room, what I see are a number of people who have amazing testimonies. They have powerful testimonies. Testimonies that are separate from each one. Different from each of us. Maybe some things are the same, but as I hear the different stories from the different people in this room. Testimonies that speak to the power of God. It's amazing to me to hear the way God has pulled them in away from the world. And into his grace and into his glory. And if I were to ask each one of you, you'd all have a different story and you'd be able to stand up and share it. And we'd probably go on forever and ever sharing the amazing stories of the power of how God has worked in us as vessels. How he's put the oil in us as vessels. Even though we're only worth 39 cents. We don't have to be better looking. We don't have to be more amazing. We don't have to be incredible. We just have to be empty and clean for him. That's what he needs. These people who have these testimonies, one day said, I'm going to shut the door behind me. I'm going to put it behind me. And I'm going to live for God. Not perfect. Ruben Saint Laurent is about as far from perfect as it gets. But he's living for God. Gabe Hernandez. Amazing servant. Man. Even when he wears the cowboys jersey, he's living for God. I'm still on the fence about who I'm rooting for this afternoon, brothers and sisters. Yeah, now everything else I say is just right out the air. You're not even going to hear it at all. All you Cowboys fans, Packers fans, the rest of this is for you guys, amen? You bunch of sinners. But you know, if I were to have them stand up and share, they wouldn't want us to praise them for what's happened, for the changes. They'd want us to praise the oil, the Holy Spirit. You see, the vessel doesn't deserve the praise. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the the oil that deserves the praise. He desires the glory. He desires the honor and the praise. And he wants each of us to praise him in such a way as to when we come in here on Sunday mornings that we fellowship with each other and we love up on each other and we sing songs of praise to him. We give our hearts to him no matter what has happened this week. And then when we leave here walking out those doors, that we take him with us. And we show him to the rest of the world as his vessels, as those who have been filled up by his oil. He doesn't need, like I said, he doesn't need superstars. He doesn't need amazing people. Even though as I look around here, that's what we have. We have a lot of amazing people. You know, you're reading a book right now, that Ruth book. That Ruth book. It's called the That Ruth book. It's a great book. It's really fun to read. I've been enjoying it. But, you know, the thing I love about this is Ruth understood. She understood this whole concept of being a vessel. And maybe she didn't think, oh, I'm being a vessel for you, Lord. But that's what she was being, a vessel. She went with Naomi, and she did it at a high cost, didn't she? And maybe you didn't realize that before you read the book, but it's amazing to think that even if you look on that one page of the rungs of the ladder of all the different people that are in that town that she goes with the two, uh, in Bethlehem with Naomi, and they walk in, and, and, and there they are in this town, and all these different people, she would fall at the very bottom of the rung. And yet she was still willing to go with Naomi and do what she was going to do. And do all that she could to serve Naomi. You know, two weeks ago Todd talked about this love, this Hesed love, this committed love. Not a not an emotional love, but a committed love. Because there's times when I look at my wife and I think, man, I do not like her right now. You're right, it's not often, honey. Amen. But our hesed love for each other says, I'm committed to her. It says, I'm going to do everything I can in God's power to stay faithful to her. And I will. And we will. Because we have this hesed love. And it's this love. But I honestly believe, even though we hear love is blind, I think this love, like it says it's a very strong point, is born out of a faith. Because faith is blind. See, to be God's vessel like Ruth was God's vessel, you've got to have this faith that says, God, I don't know what you're going to do with me the way she did with God. God, I don't know what you're going to do with me. And yeah, we could sit here and read the book and think, well, of course, Ruth, it makes sense for you to go with Naomi. Look what happens in the end. But Ruth didn't have that advantage, did she? She didn't get to read her own book and say, oh, that's how it ends? Well, of course I'm going with you, Naomi. No kidding. She had a faith that was blind. It was a faith born out of a love, and not just any love, but a Hesed love. And it was a faith that led her to be the vessel that God wanted her to be, that God could use her to be such a great example in a town that she went to, to show others what it meant to not just give up. but To be strong and committed. The kind of faith that God wants to use for us. Ruth was the box. And God calls us to be the box. But you know what's amazing? Is Jesus came down and was the box and showed us how to be the box. And when Satan and his demons saw... Jesus being in the box and doing all the things that he was doing, they said, we can't have this anymore. We need to kill him. We need to get rid of him. We need to take him out. And so what happened is the box got torn. And it got beaten. And it got whipped by the cat of nine tails. And it got a crown of thorns put on it. And it had blood going down everywhere. And it had to carry the cross And it was doing it for you and for me. All of these tears were for us. So that when the box was on the cross, with blood, stained lips, he could say, it is finished. But you know what? He never said, I am finished. He only said, it is finished. Because he wasn't finished. Because when that box was put in the tomb, when it was laid in the tomb, Satan went down to Sheol. And he did a number on Satan. Jesus went down to Sheol and he did a number on Satan. And Satan was so jacked up when Jesus took the keys, he didn't have the keys to his own house anymore. And when Jesus took the keys, he said, you can't bind up their sins anymore. You can't hold them to be addicts anymore. And you can't keep them down and all the things that they struggle with. I brought the power to you to be a vessel, to change, to grow. When they laid him in the borrowed tomb, he was laying there. And he snatched those keys up. God knew what he was doing. You see, he only borrowed the tomb. But he bought you. He bought each one of us. He would only live in the tomb for three days. But he wants to live in us for eternity. You know, we have to understand, the Holy Spirit or the oil is never going to go out and preach the sermons. It's never going to witness to your family. The Holy Spirit is never going to grow churches. The Holy Spirit is never going to witness to your friends. But the Holy Spirit or the oil inside of the vessel is going to. And the Holy Spirit, the oil needs a vessel to go and lead the churches. The Holy Spirit needs a vessel to lead Bible talks or small groups. The Holy Spirit needs to go and see a vessel and take that vessel to share and witness and preach the gospel. That's what the oil does for us. The oil is endless. But the vessels, the vessels are only as much as we're willing to. To give and let God work in us. You know, Paul in Acts chapter 9, verse 15, says, But the Lord said to Ananias, Go lay your hands on Saul, for he is a chosen vessel of mine. And all over this room today, what I see are a bunch of chosen vessels. I believe that. I believe that the question is, is do you believe that? If someone said you're a chosen vessel, you would say, uh, what would you say? How would you answer them? Would you shy, shrink back from that? Or would you stand up and say, you're right. I am a vessel. I am the vessel that God's going to use. I am the one that has the faith. Maybe it's blind. Maybe I don't know what God's going to do in my life, but I am the vessel that God is going to use. And sometimes we think, God did not get it right when he called me. I'm not talented enough. I'm not connected enough. I don't ever feel like he got it right. I'm a mess. I've got sin galore. I'm just all out there and all kinds of things. But you've got to believe that God got it right. God got it right when he chose Ruth. He got it right when he chose Moses. He got it right when he chose Peter. And he got it right when he chose Craig Painter. And he got it right when he chose Josh. And he got it right when he chose Laura. And he got it right when he chose Janelle. And he got it right when he chose each one of us to be his vessels. But the key is this. You've got to choose to get in the house, shut the door, and let him pour you. Let him fill you. Let him take you make you the Holy Spirit's vessel for him. When we leave here today, I beg and plead with you that you will please, please believe that you are God's chosen vessel. Don't doubt it. Don't even question it. Don't let Satan mess with you. When Satan tries to make you question it, you put him right behind you and say, get behind me, Satan. Because God wants to use you. In 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 6, it says, when the vessels were full, she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another. Then the oil stopped flowing. Let that not be said of us, church. Let that not be said of this group right here. Let it not be said that the oil stopped flowing because the vessels were no more. Let's keep being the vessel. Let's grow and be better vessels, stronger vessels, vessels for the Lord every single day of our lives. Amen, church? Amen. Amen. Let's go to God in prayer.